your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan, following Everton's beginning of the season. Unfortunately, they of course lost 1-0 to Chelsea at Goodison Park. First time Everton have lost their opening league game of the season in over a decade. Last time was in 2011-2012 with a 1-0 loss to QPR. It was the longest until today, current unbeaten such run in the Premier League, won four and drew six over the previous 10 seasons. Additionally, after losing to Chelsea, first time the London Blues have uh, won at Goodison since 2017. So we had quite the streak going there, being the foil to Chelsea. Unfortunately, that ended today. Before we get into our match reaction, just a reminder to please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice if you enjoy the show. Back with another season of Instant Match Reactions. As a reminder, also join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. You can find all of our social media links at linktr.ee dot slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Let's kick things off now, gentlemen. Instant Match Reactions. We've got some great ones from Twitter, and we'll go to Alex first. Yeah, we've got Aaron Hool at Aaron Hool 7. Awobi did well. We need, in all caps, a striker. One bad foul from Ducore lost us a point. Gordon turned it over too much. Holgate was decent coming on as a sub. Tarkovsky and Minkalinko did well. Need more from Gray, McNeil, and Delhi. Yep, and a second one here I think is good. Andrew Helberg at Andrew Helberg. Predictable. Um, hard to feel like the refs helped us out at all. Yeah. Godfrey injury should, should have never happened. Yep, we're going to talk about that. Holgate's long balls are insanity. They that change hurt our possession so much. Delhi should have started. Respect Gordon trying to get on the ball, but he's a black hole for our attack. We're going to capture all those talk topics for sure. That definitely occurred to me. Um, and then we got one last one, James. Yeah. Last but not least, we have Hugh at Os Toffee Art. Looked extremely organized in defense and decent at progressing the ball when we didn't resort to hoofing it. Awobi especially will certainly hit on that. Gray and Gordon can't play together because each offers next to nothing in terms of link-up play. Patterson, solid two. In terms of score predictions from our Discord, we had just one characteristically optimistic bunch, which were not rewarded for their optimism. We did have Edom, Edom, predicted Everton 0-1 Chelsea. Just don't see where the goals come from. Spot on. We did not see any goals coming from anywhere today from the Toffees. Now to get into the lineups, as we typically do here, Starting with the visitors coming from Chelsea, they've had obviously a lot of movement and still apparently some potential moves to come. They're looking at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We obviously saw Armando Broja appear, feature as a sub today. They've had an interesting preseason. They lost to Charlotte FC in in PKs, uh, which was a little embarrassing, though not as embarrassing as some other Premier League teams playing MLS clubs that I won't name. Uh, They also got smoked by Arsenal in the Florida Cup. Wouldn't know what that's like. Probably pretty embarrassing as well. But they did beat Udinese and Club America during uh, their preseason. So coming in, some stop-start stuff. But for their opening lineup, they elect to go with Kai Havertz up front. He 
I feel like every time Kai Havertz plays against us, he kind of stinks. He also he's also rocking the new shaved head look, which uh, I'm not a particularly big fan of. But yeah, historically hasn't played super well against us. They obviously have the new addition of Raheem Sterling, Ben Chilwell back from his severe injury last season, which caused him to miss most of the year. Typical from Chelsea, you see. And Golo Kante, the absolute destroyer in midfield. And another new face, Keladu Koulibaly, on his debut in the back three for Chelsea. Uh, dude's an absolute beast, and uh, no question he's going to be a valuable addition for them this season. Yeah, Everton lined up. I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily overall a big surprise based on what we've seen in preseason, um, based on you know some injuries or, or, or lack of fitness for some players that, let's say, made the bench. Um, but the notable thing was, you know, we ended up coming out with a back five. Um, Tarkovsky was obviously a, a, a notable addition for making his debut in the Premier League for Everton and definitely had a solid appearance. Um, the front three was really the big one that was interesting. We had uh, Gordon Gray McNeil up top. You know, I, I personally thought we discussed it. You know, maybe Delhi would play the false nine role like we saw him in preseason the last couple weeks. Um, we also had a midfield two of Awobi and Ducore, which will definitely get into their performances. Um, because we saw that last time out as well against Dynamo Kiev. Um, it's interesting to see, you know, that we also strolled out with two-man midfield in, in those in those two, but we know that Alon, for example, hasn't necessarily been fit and not gotten too many minutes uh, in preseason. Also lately, you know, uh, Bamin did not feature much in preseason towards the tail end either. So all interesting things. Um, but NBC uh, had some interesting comments regarding uh, regarding the... The lineup for Everton, they, they started off by essentially claiming that Everton did not address things over the summer, at least not yet. Uh, and we had Lee Folger V from our Discord, and he commented, thanks for the NBC studio crew for thinking we're not making any signings while two are imminent. They talk about Chelsea buying Fafana, maybe, while that's nowhere near as close to done as we are to picking up Onana and Gay. Um, definitely valid points. I mean, Onana was at the match. He's literally in the stands. How do you miss that guy? Like, seriously. But you're yapping on about, yeah, they might make a move for Fafana, but we, we haven't addressed our issues in the midfield. Like, really? I, I mean, this is your job. I mean, don't you get paid for this? I mean, we had a lengthy discussion in the Discord about this, but it it's still flavor of the day to rag on Everton being like prime primed up for relegation a year on. They're salivating at the thought of having that storyline going again this season, the big club. Um, and, and I'm just a little bit tired of it. I think we've done a decent decent business. Now, today didn't do a lot in terms of uh, getting us started on the right foot in terms of turn, you know turning over a new leaf in regard to injuries, which we'll get to. But we also had uh, Zach Landy and uh, DL Barks who were ragging on Rebecca Lowe a little bit just because of, I think, the, I would say, overtly negative tone regarding Everton. Is that fair? Well, I just think in the one example she gave is they put up its $22 million dollar figure for Dwight McNeil, which I don't think that's exactly it uh, because we know exactly how it's been structured. But even then, she immediately is like, they're overpaying for a player again. And it's funny because Robbie Ustow basically jumped in and said, no, I don't think so at all. I mean, why would anyone think you're overpaying? I, I just don't understand that at all. It was just immediate jumping on it. And it wasn't like... It was an orchestrated collective viewpoint. It was just a pot shot that really wasn't well thought of. And you could tell Musto wasn't like it wasn't a choreographed thing. So I think it's natural. DL's always all over her. But I think it's fair to say, why do you keep doing that? Like, I, I just don't I don't think it's um like kind of a, an intelligent angle or critique that spurs conversation. It just feels like she's just taken pot shots at Everton for some strange reason. And she did it 
the whole second half last year, I think, too. It's been a while. I, I don't think I've ever heard her say many positive things about Everton ever. She also used your favorite uh, stat, Ryan, as like a club to beat McNeil and Everton over the head with. She's like, no goals and one assist last season. Is that really where they want to spend their money? We got into so that. Dumb. We don't need to do so that again. Just go listen to our <laughs> go listen to our episode when McNeil first signed. We get into all that. His production's been pretty consistent over his stint in the Premier League. But Ryan, I will let you uh, get on with it and get us into the tactical setup for both sides. I think looking at the lineup, Alex hit on it a bit. The question is who's going to be up top. I and mean, we've been playing three four three. I think we expected that again. Um, the lack of midfielders that are fit. Uh, and the ignoring of JPG kind of, I, I don't think anyone was surprised it was going to be a Wobie and, and Decore, right? I mean, kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, mean in the middle, Gordon was the one who ended up kind of in the central role. Uh, Chelsea's in their typical 3-4-3 under Thomas Tuchel, uh, a lot of attacking down the wings. And I think if you kind of look at the shape and kind of how they ended up playing, I, I would say defensively, we did a pretty good job kind of pinching them in and made them get a little bit narrow. I, I don't think they did well trying to get outside of us and really spreading us out. Um, that being said, uh, they did have some success in the half space. And when you look at the numbers, I mean, they were 41% down the right side. Chelsea were, and it was a lot of Mason Mount kind of drifting over there in the half space, playing triangle stuff with with James, who's very good, I think. Uh, and Ingola Conte is just another level some days. I mean, just some of his battling with Gray where Gray had position and thought he had him because he's quick and still lost the battle. And when Sterling drifted over there, he was pretty dangerous too. So that's a lot what what I saw. Um, you know, and, and some of their combination play was good, but I thought for the most part we we prevented a lot of clear chances from open play. Um and we were up for it. I mean and the crowd was up for it for sure. Yeah, absolutely no question about it. Though we just ragged on the uh, NBC's announcing crew. There was this one liner that someone in our Discord pointed out, uh, said, in regard to Goodison Park, Goodison's gloriously unchanging assault on the senses. I thought that was really, really something. And you saw it. Uh, Poetic. The coach welcome, the blue flares. I don't know uh, what company manufactures these flares, but I'm putting all my money into that stock because it's got to be going through the roof with all these sales. I thought all your money was in, no, is it <laughs> EFTs, no? I bought. Uh, Sorry, that's it was a NFTs, it's a common Ryan. discord. <laughs> NFTs, God. Sorry, I don't so know that. Old, I, I actually have no. I, no EFTs are smart. It's uh, less fees and it's a virtual proxy of mutual funds. So, but anyway, yes. Yeah, sorry, gonna, it's an ETF. It's an ETF. Aren't you supposed to be the finance I, guy? Exactly. Exactly. I have two it's master's fine. degrees. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick it's, break, yeah. and after our word from our sponsors, yes, we will no, get into, no fun. <laughs> we will get into the actual match itself. AFL. <laughs> All right, let's get into it, gentlemen. We kick things off, and as Ryan said before the break, Goodison absolutely rocking. You had some sparkling blue flags. You had some new banners out, crowd in full voice, in song. It was a sight to behold. And uh, I thought the first 10 minutes were pretty cagey. I thought we looked all right. And I think the first major storyline is, of course, this complete disaster of a sequence in the 10th minute that results in Ben Godfrey being stretchered off. Um, the, the first thing of note, obviously it's a, a ball back. Pickford tries to save it from going out. Question is why, uh, the back pass that led to it was really poor. Pickford tries to save it. It goes out, no call from the linesman. Pickford clears it out left directly to Chelsea, uh, setting them up quite nicely to attack. And then Ben Godfrey comes in like a freight train to make the tackle, which eventually ultimately goes out for a corner anyway. And uh, I don't know how many people have seen the slow-mo video. They didn't really show it on the broadcast, but it was nasty. 
No, it was. And, and you know, Stockhausen from the Discord kind of summarized it in a couple points uh, pretty well. He said, to start it off, dumb as hell back pass, ball out, the ball was out by over a foot. There was no whistle when there should have been. And now we've got a broken bone sustained in a play that shouldn't have been happening. I mean, that pretty much essentially says what it needs to say. And it is, uh, it is very, it is genuinely gut wrenching to see Ben Godfrey be stretched off, you know, the first 10 minutes of the new season. He's a profile of center back that we don't necessarily have a lot of. I think that he um, brings a lot of, a lot of good qualities to the back line that um, some of the others may uh, have as a weakness. And, you know, obviously at that point in time, Holgate comes in and and we'll talk about how that went. I mean, his defending was pretty good, but I, I agree with you, Alex. I just felt like this was it's a good setup for Godfrey to to continue to develop. He had a rough year last year. I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, he was um, I mean, on the pitch for so many bad goals against to see him with Mina and Tark kind of that are more steady players supporting him, um, having the opportunity to run forward a little bit, and use his pace and finally settle into a singular position. Unfortunately, we've seen that bad back pass already once in preseason. But how can you not blow the whistle on this? I mean, that's, it's just flat out irresponsible, I think. I mean, it's a joke as a linesman. It's it's not like a close call. It's out, as Stockhausen says, by well over a foot, there's clear daylight between the ball and the, the end line. And ultimately, it results in Chelsea getting a corner, which they would have had anyway. And instead of it just being a corner that we can defend, we're now looking at multiple weeks, if not months, out on the sideline for Ben Godfrey. It it really it was reminiscent in slow-mo. I hadn't really seen it until shortly after the match of Andre Gomez's like ankle break. It was really nasty. It yeah. turned like almost 180 degrees. What is Pickford doing here, too? I mean, wh- how is it either you kill it into the stands or you let it go? Like, I understand trying to rush rush to it and, and get a throw instead of a corner, but kill the ball. Like, you have to hit it hard. I mean, the absolute worst thing you could do is leave the ball laying there. I mean, that was and that's just part of what made it bizarre as well. Um, but yeah, how you don't blow the whistle, I, I don't know. And and look, I mean, them getting a corner was just par for the course early in the match. I mean, I think through the first 33 minutes, it was 10 to 2 in corners. It's funny, during that time, the shots were even at 3 three v 3. So while they were taking corners and they have some guys to serve the ball, I I, I never felt terribly worried that they were going to score. I mean, Koulibaly is an absolute beast. Mason Holgate did a great job getting to that first ball because they finally stopped putting it straight in because they felt like I I thought we were pretty successful dealing with it. They were trying to get the flick on a lot of ones from his side and he did a good job contesting it. So, I I mean, would you not say the set piece defending was better? I mean, do we think that's a good thing to take from the match? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, and and as you said, it was it was kind of funny to see Holgate pad his stats for the first like three corners immediately when he comes into action because Reese James hit the first man every time. Um, but I, you know, to give him credit, he still had to get his head on it, and I thought he did well that way. I, I do think that a big part of it was the function of just poor balls into the box from Chelsea a lot of times. Um, but it, it did it did look more um, it, it looked more organized, and I felt more secure in like how we were defending it. So I'd say overall, yes. I mean, I like the setup, really. I mean, the idea was generally put your four tallest guys kind of on the sixth in zonal, had some runners that were actual runners. Um, you could see it switched a little bit. Gordon was on the near post at one point and came racing out when they brought someone in from the defense. Uh, and right when the kick was taken, he got off the post as well, which is absolutely critical to take away that flick on, because if you if you keep that one on, it's the most dangerous corner corner you have. So structurally, it looked it looked okay. I mean, cool. Paul, he's a beast, man. Awobi was trying to get in front of him a couple times, and even Mina couldn't quite 
couldn't quite beat him. You know what I mean? He, he's just tough. Really bizarre to see Alex Iwobi man-marking Koulibaly. But I guess when you have the, the like you said, the four biggest guys who are marking It's Zoli, a hybrid. You kind of have to sacrifice. You're not going to have a like uh, for like in terms of size and height. Uh, you want to get in front of them, really. That's exactly. the idea. You know what I mean? Just, the idea is the, the guys are in zone. Right. The guys are in zone are basically jumping from a standstill. So you got to prevent prevent them from really getting momentum and flying in the air a little bit. And I thought for the most part, we did it, did it fairly well. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know how you guys felt, but I felt like probably after about the first 25 minutes or so, I think our first, our last shot was in the, was in the 28th. I think, um, I felt like the, the momentum started building up there. Um, and I'm curious, I, I wonder if one of you guys felt the same way I did. The numbers were undeniable. I mean, the shots were seven to nothing. Corners are six to nothing. Chelsea had a 93% pass success after that last shot we had in the 28th. So like to me a little bit, this, uh, this is the byproduct of our inability to hold the ball. And, and yeah. we're going to talk about the hoof balls later, but I just felt like we were, we were kind of worn out at this point and sapped of energy. And, and that's a lot of what happens when you don't, you know, sometimes it's okay to just keep the ball and I don't think it would have been that hard. I don't think their high pressure was so aggressive and well-structured that we couldn't have played around it a little bit. I think I, I I'm curious your thoughts guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't think there was any point in the match in what, which I felt like we were controlling it in any sense of the word. Maybe there were bits in which we had a tiny bit more possession, but that doesn't necessarily equate to control and, and how you, you know, how you progress through the game. And, um, you know, for the first half, for me, obviously, we, we didn't look that dangerous, but I do think there were positive signs of of showing how we wanted to play. We were playing the ball around on the ground pretty well. I liked what I saw from Ducore and Iwobi at that point. They were able to kind of pass through the lines pretty well. The fullbacks were helping progress the ball. It really just kind of died with the forward line. Um, I thought they had, you know, they had a struggle, which, you know, we'll kind of discuss um, as we move through the match too. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it, it looked, looked more cohesive for us than we saw last season, which was good. Yeah. Yeah. The structure was there. I thought Alex, you're right. Like Decore and Awobi coming back gave options to the center halves. Maybe the execution wasn't perfect. It's a good point about the top line though. I mean, James, would you agree? I mean, the, stru- the, the potential was there to be a little more like, I think Frank wants to play. Yeah. You saw again, it, it, and to be fair, it's still a work in progress, but when we truly committed to playing it out of the back or at least keeping the ball on the ground for pe- stretches of play, we looked really good. Awobi and Decore both moved the ball side to side and, and progressed it extremely well. Uh, even, I think, Patterson got involved on the ball quite a bit, especially in the first half. And it, it seemed like we were really jumping the gun in terms of caving to the minimal pressure they were putting on us. Like They'd send one guy running at Pickford and he would just... Well, A, he tried to beat guys off the dribble like a bunch or, or take unnecessary touches what and then just hoofed it. And it totally killed our momentum. It caused Damari Gray and Anthony Gordon to have to run, run, run with, with no results. You're you're trying to basically like for like sub Anthony Gordon at the nine for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's not going to win aerials like that. So it felt very uh, futile at times when we resorted to hoofball. At the same time, on the other side of that, you saw the, the positive spells of possession when we actually moved the ball on the ground. And the thing is, if 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 you can possess it for a little bit longer and progress it a little bit past that front line of theirs, now at least you give that front three some chances to move and be fluid and move, you know, make some movements and get into space. And you saw a little of that with McNeil, uh, not as much on the other side, but some of it was there. But you kill it immediately when you hoof it up because you're right. You you don't even have Rondon up there who at least could hold the ball up. From right. Exactly. Standpoint. He was watching from and- the from the box. Yes, as we all saw, that was just a strange shot, like randomly to him. Um, okay, so look, 
Chelsea finally, I guess, break through here. I want to talk about this sucker. Um, yep, they score the penalty, make it 1-0. Decent penalty by Jorginho. Almost hit it wide, I thought, when he first struck it. Uh, didn't kill it, tucked it in the side. But I want to talk about the penalty. So ultimately what happens is they call Decore for putting his hands on Chilwell from behind. Chilwell falls. He dives all the time, so there's no surprise there. Um, gets the benefit of the doubt, which is basically Chelsea all day today got the benefit of the doubt. Right before that play, Sterling went down before he was even touched. Um, but so, look, just a quick analysis of this sucker, and this is how Chelsea makes it tough sometimes when you're overloading or throwing enough players over there. You basically had Patterson went out wide to deal with the player. Holgate had to cut back as well. There was a player on his right Yeri was occupied, so it's tough, you know, and Chilwell receives the ball inside the box, too. So DeCorey's either got to get in the passing lane or cut all the way back. It's it's just not entirely realistic, and and for him to get be behind him is hard, hard to deal with. Now, for me, though, I got a little problem with this penalty call because just because you put your hands on someone doesn't mean you pulled him down, and he didn't. And I don't understand why, when you don't call it when he had his hands on Sterling 20 minutes earlier, what makes this a penalty? I know a lot of people said it's a stonewall penalty, you're an idiot. But for me, I disagree. Because ultimately, do you pull him down or not? Because that's what matters to me, not that you put your hand on him. Because if that's the case, like, I don't think that's a foul in in the run of play, in the midfield. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. The Sterling die was absolutely atrocious, though. I think it was a really soft call. I also think DeCore made a poor decision by putting himself in a position to have to force a call to be made. You know, it was the hands along with, with the motion of his left leg. I think it was to kind of chop in there on the side. And and I think it just kind of looks worse than it is. Maybe it's not a. Was Mina going to get there is the question, because if so, then, then that's probably a little bit unnecessary. I think it was unnecessary. And I just think the optics of you're literally directly behind the guy you reach around him, and maybe you don't pull him down, but you, with both arms, like reach around and touch both of his shoulders. You're you're asking him to to make the ref make a call. And as enraged as I was at both Chilwell, Sterling, and the rest of Chelsea diving all over the place, that's a penalty for me. If we don't get, if we if we do something similar, if that's Anthony Gordon, I want that call every single time. And maybe they're going to be making these very soft penalty calls. I thought they called a very soft one on Virgil van Dyke, And I don't even like saying that it makes me feel sick to my stomach, but the one in, against Fulham this morning, I thought that was pretty soft. And yeah, but he hit him with his leg. Contact. Like, you but know what I mean? I mean, there was contact. contact. Yeah, but he hit him with the leg. My point is this. I think that's different. This is my only point. Like, look, if he came in and nudged him with the leg, I personally think Alex Chilwell flopped and then hit him low. Like, I didn't feel like there was any contact around the ball with the legs. I think DeCorey put his hand on his shoulder. Yeah. He wrapped his hand around a little bit. I don't think he really pulled on at all. That's my only problem with it. Like if I felt like there was contact down below and what I have a problem with is there's no physical way DeCorey doing what he do could have caused him to fall. So to me, that's yeah, right. I mean, it's such a blatant dive to me. I just think as a referee there, you're like that didn't cause the dive. And so you could argue, yeah, it has hands on you had, but then it's totally inconsistent with what happened before. And I'm sorry, in the in the Premier League, guys put arms on each other all the time. So I that's I just see it as a massively inconsistent thing. And it's one thing to say it's soft for contact, but I just think there's a fundamental flaw with the call. That's all. The contact sure. did not cause the fall at all, no question whatsoever. And so if he never goes to ground, he would have had a shot. I mean, if there's a if there's one thing Premier League referees are good at, it's being 
wildly inconsistent week over but week. But they're so. encouraging diving across the pitch. I don't understand this but at that's all. Not I mean, new. But that, but that's no, I know. New. I know. But you wonder why all these young English players are diving all over the place now. I do the same stinking thing. Agreed. Why would you I not? Totally agree. There's no, I mean, it's just disappointing. And I, and I also think that we don't get that call. That I also agree with, and it's probably fair. But that's the, that's the big six bias. What are you going to do? And yeah. what was so devastating about the goal in particular? You're going to complain that, on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to yell yell on a podcast. The more frustrating thing was the fact that it came at I think they said forty, what fifty four something. Which is fifty three something when I replayed it. The second latest first half goal in Premier League history, or something along those oh. lines. So very classic of us to. Uh, have a player go down in the resulting injury time, give Chelsea enough time to uh, win a penalty and take the lead. That takes us to halftime, probably undeserved lead for Chelsea, but something we have to address and move on from. And no subs at the half for Frank. So we get into the second period of play. And uh, if you I don't think we started. Minutes, was, no, we didn't. We I, didn't. I, don't, I don't think we started great. And it's funny from the 60th minute on, we actually had more possession, um, but only had two shots. I mean, I just kept waiting. Like I felt like Chelsea was there. For the taking, they didn't have that many chances. They almost had nothing. I mean, they almost had nothing until like the 80th when Pickford came out and Pulisic had one too. But like we had chances, but we didn't have, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. I was disappointed. I felt like they were there from the take and we couldn't quite come up with anything. What did you guys think of the sub in the the 61st daily for, for Dwight McNeil? I was very surprised that McNeil out of the front three was the one coming off. Um, I thought it was one of Gordon or Gray. It wasn't surprised to see him go centrally. You know, I, th- I personally thought that that's how he would have started the match today, um, and it probably would have worked better. I, I think he's a lot more composed on the ball than a lot of the other players are that we played, you know, in our forward areas too. Maybe it, maybe that's just a testament. Maybe Frank kind of felt that McNeil wasn't ready for more than 60 minutes in his legs. Although at that point in time, it, it's pretty easy to argue none of our players really looked up for it physically, right? I mean, we were completely gassed. And I think that was a huge part of our problem, you know, moving through and talking about how we were kind of toothless. Chelsea were able to kind of sit in and just manage the game at that point in time. You know, maybe we had a little bit more possession, but it wasn't it wasn't meaningful at all. And we still weren't necessarily controlling it. And, and you're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking at Anthony Gordon, who I, I, I lost count probably at least five or six times. He just purely tried beating guys for pace. And I think it might have worked once or twice, especially very early on. But I think he tired very quickly. And we'll, we'll talk about the, the overall performances in a second, but I, I agree with you, Alex. I think both Gray or Gordon would have been better candidates to come off. I thought from, from McNeil, I thought we saw some really good moments from him. Uh, he got, I think he had tied for the second most touches in the first half on the side. And I thought he did a good job with retaining possession and moving the ball. Um, doesn't have the pace of Gordon or Gray to, to beat guys off the dribble, but I think it looked more composed than either did for sure. Yeah, then we move into, boy, this is a big moment, I think, in the 70th where Gary Mina goes down. And yeah, I, there are so many things I want to say to this. I mean, he doesn't have the international schedule. You think he's going to be OK and he goes down. Now, the good part is, I mean, it, it didn't look muscular, so it didn't look like it was kind of a recurring thing. It looked almost a bit of a fluke. But I mean, we've said that type of thing with him before. It looked like he wanted to stay on. Frank afterwards said he thought it looked it was serious. I don't know. Um, so there's that aspect, which just is so disappointing. Cause I mean, he's far and away our best defender. And I think that includes Tarkowski. I don't care what people say. Um, and then I want to talk about the, the lack of subs as well, but James, you want to, you want to interject here real quick. What's concerning about it is the fact that it, it looked pretty innocuous in that it wasn't a contact based thing. He kind of turned awkwardly and then all of a sudden comes up limping and those, you, know, you see guys 
do their ACL like that, do their Achilles on a non-contact based injury. I'm not saying that's what it is. Again, we have some quotes from the manager on regarding the specifics of the injury, but you know, Ben Godfrey's was a nasty full contact legs get tangled, but with me it's the complete opposite where he's under a little bit of pressure, but isn't even really touched at the time when he hurts himself. And, uh, as much as we were hoping Yeri would turn over a new leaf, seems to be more of the same. Hopefully it's not long-term, and we'll just have to wait and see what that looks like. I mean, it's it's just extremely alarming for Everton fans to see presumably two of your three starting center backs for the season at this t- at this point in time go down with, you know, what you suspect could be mid- to long-term injuries. Mina, obviously, at the point, you know, he walked off and he was – you know, kind of arguing with the physio that he wanted to stay on, which, which, which wasn't going to happen anyway, but nonetheless, it's, it's not, it's not a good look for us. Um, I think it was a disaster, a uh, first 70 minutes for us, just in terms of how it changed kind of our, our outlook on, on the early parts of the season. And I, I don't think, I don't think Frank was sitting there. Uh, I don't think he could say he wasn't uh, about to poop his pants after he saw Mina come off because I surely was. And, and I'm not the one having to get paid to figure out how to fix it. Well, I got your toilet paper right here, Alex. If you uh, are having an emergency, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, for those we don't have go, a video, Frank. but I'm uh, I'm at my mom's lake house, and I had to use an <laughs> impromptu mic stand, which is uh, two toilet paper rolls stacked on top of one another. So just enjoy that visual, those of you uh, at home listening. I think it's great. Look, it looks very professional. Hey, um, we're we're pros here at the ATP. No one ever accuses us of anything else. Let's uh, but let's talk about. I think Ryan, what the other angle you wanted to get at was the. Obviously, the new Premier League rule this season, five substitutes, but you only have three windows in which to do it. So we used the first one, of course, on Godfrey in the first half. Makes sense. Then we used the Delhi sub. And then at the time of Mina coming off in the 70th, Frank elects to only bring on Vinagre and utilize no other subs. And at that point, that's all three windows gone. There's nothing else we can do. So is that naivete? Is that just forced into a quick decision and doesn't have time to bring the other guys on? What do you guys think? I think if you would have planned on bringing Alon on, you know, th- that would have happened then maybe, which worries me a little bit because, I, yeah, I just think the sub would have been moving a Wobie up, taking off one of Gray or Gordon and, and bringing in Alon or uh, maybe he doesn't trust Bameen. I, I don't know. I, it just seemed very obvious to me. Those guys were gassed up there. They were working a lot and Gray was ineffective. I, I just think that would have given us one more person that could really handle the ball, distribute the ball. And I think we could have struck a little faster. Um, you could argue, well, he's not as much of a goal scorer as Damari Gray or Gordon, really, for that matter. But I wouldn't argue either of those two have been spectacular goal scorers. I don't know. I'm curious what you guys thought. That would have been what I would have done. Um, but, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't think you could argue maybe fresh legs in the midfield could have helped. Um, you know, and we'll definitely talk about good and, and bad performances from our perspectives uh, in, in terms of individuals and how maybe that could have affected uh, who came on or who played where? Because you know, as you mentioned, that the big one is you know you look you look at that at, at that bench and right. I mean, we're missing we're missing DCL and Rondon, but there are essentially no attacking subs on that bench at all. And and so you say maybe at that point in time, Iswo be more helpful, you know, forward than he is in the midfield. I'm not sure. And and is that a function of Alan like really just not being fit, or is he is he you know on his way out? I, I that's pure speculation. I just find. Uh, the fact that he's had, you know, barely any minutes in preseason and, and the fact that he didn't come on today, very, um, very speculative to say the least. I'll say one thing, whether or not you agree, Alex Iwobi would have been more useful push forward. The dude was still running in 
90 plus 8 plus 10 like it was the first couple seconds. Uh, it was very impressive to see. He does. He does, no doubt. He looks fit and he looks faster than he has before. Well, I hate to point out the fact that he finished fourth in the Arsenal speed test before oh, he came over, but people go. still think he's slow for some reason. Well, they do. He's objectively fast. It's like, what are you people watching? No, I mean, you saw how, okay, maybe Wobi wasn't perfect in terms of his defensive positioning, although I think he did pretty well about it today. Um, but God, I mean, he was he was very effective. So I get it, though. I mean, Frank could have looked and said, look, I had more attacking players on than... Um, that, you know, with the Wobie kind of being more of an attacking player playing the eight, I get that. But I, I just think that, you know what I mean? I mean, I just think it would have been better off to, to put in some fresh legs in there. So I had a problem with it either way. But, you know, I digress. Well, that I mean, other than the 10 minutes of stoppage time and the continual flops and time wasting, I mean, it was Aspilicueta that got the card finally for time wasting. And that was still pretty early on in the match that was in the uh, I mean. I mean, that was the weird part about it, James, the injuries and the stoppages and them Chelsea killing time starting in like right. the 50th and getting cards for it. I mean, other than that, I mean, it was a very bizarre match. Someone had a medical emergency yep. at one point in the stands and it just was choppy and strange. You know, I, I wish there was a lot more excitement and flow in terms of the match, but that continually kind of broke stuff up and, and. Really, I mean, that's that's kind of the summary of the match. I mean, I wish we could point to all these amazing chances at the end where we really came up short. We had some good ones, but, you know, I, there, there's really not much more to say yeah, about there, it. There, I guess we had like the specter of a threat. We were like very vaguely threatening toward the later stages in that we had more possession. But I think that's more so due to the fact that Chelsea, as you said, were content to time waste and kind of take their foot off the gas and coast to the wind. I mean, we had chances, but there wasn't like that right, one exactly. moment, you know, and I guess that was the thing. It just kind of lacked moments, really. Excuse me. The XG reflects that. If you look at uh, from the XG philosophy had us at a 0.54 XG against Chelsea's 2.12, which includes the 0.75, 0.74 for the penalty. So neither side created a ton. I think it's fair to say that Chelsea, you know, created more. They had the, the offsides goal uh, from Sterling early on, which, again, doesn't count towards the XG. But it was mostly first half for them. And the second half was just kind of very choppy, cynical, a lot of fouls, a lot of flops. Not the uh, bright note that you want to start your season on. I think even for Chelsea, that's not really the, the bright start that they would have hoped for. Um, and with that, I think it's helpful to maybe look at some performances. We're going to take a little bit of a more structured approach to it this year. We have uh, each of our my fellow co-hosts and myself have selected one player who we thought was good and one player who we thought was bad. Very uh, specific and nuanced criteria there. And we're just going to let's start with the bad first and then we'll end with the good. Uh, Ryan, who did you choose as your bad player today? Well, it's more of a um, a kind of thing people were mm, doing. I like so I, I picked out Pickford. Um, Holgate would be part of it, although I don't think he was as bad as he often is. It was long balls being bad. It wasn't necessarily a person. Now, Pickford, I thought, was the, the most offensive element of the team that was doing it unnecessarily. And I don't understand that. I think that's something that we have to get out of him. Uh, modern goalkeepers don't play that way. And I'm not saying you can't take a chance every now and then, but to hoof it out of release when there really wasn't real pressure and you had options and outlets killed us. I thought it wore us out in the first half. I mean... Chicago Joe in the discord, I think, said it said it pretty well because there's some encouraging aspects of it, too. He said we were about 420 on long balls and we look good when we kept it on the floor. So keep it on the floor. Pickford was nine to 26 in long balls. We just you can't do that anymore if you want to play the way Frank wants to play. And I, like I said, I think it killed us because here's the thing. At the end of the first half, you're not going to make subs. 
Now, maybe that's that's an approach that may change because maybe it should, to be perfectly honest, if you think about it. I mean, unless there's a tactical change you need to make with five subs, you know, um, and that's really where Chelsea kind of kind of finally broke through. And and I think you look at some of the numbers. I think Holgate was something like two of eight. So I think he's a, he's an offender. Um, but almost everyone else is pretty good. You know, I mean, Iwobi's like four of eight. Decorey was something like four, four or five. So there wasn't really any big offenders. Those two were the guys. And the point is, if you're going to play that way, you got to stop doing that. And I think it hurts us both from a possession standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, because you're exhausted and look possession in and of itself does have some benefit, especially on the defensive side. And I don't, if, if I felt like Chelsea was really forcing it, then I would be less critical but I don't think they were. No, I got to agree. There were so many points in which I just sat there thinking, why couldn't we just make the short pass? Because when we did decide to make the short pass, I mean, we had, we definitely had moments in which, in which we looked good passing out of the back. We dealt and it was with there. pressure in some moment. We dealt with pressure in some moments really well. Ducore and Awobi are, 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 they are able to do it in, in terms of take the ball and turn with pressure. And, and they got it out wide to the fullbacks. Well, so definitely a good shout. Um, you know, bad for me. I, I went with a player, and this is this may be a bit polarizing for some. Um, but it's our new number ten in Anthony Gordon. I got to say, um, I thought it. You know, and and to to his credit, I thought it was a it was a tough position to play in for him specifically. But he was sloppy on the ball. He was wasteful. You know, fat five disp- dispossessions, four bad touches, no key passes. Right, he only had fourteen completed passes the entire match. No accurate crosses. So you know, even even on the stats page alone, it really indicated that he wasn't um, a huge effect on the match. As James, James mentioned earlier, there were a lot of times where his only trick was let me just knock the ball far and try to beat this guy with pace. And it wasn't going to happen. There was, there's one moment in my mind specifically where he pulled up and, and, you know, he had the ball out wide left and and he kind of slowed down a little bit. And he was just kind of, I think he was just kind of lazy and, and, and stopped concentrating for a second. Got his, got the ball taken immediately. It, it was a counterattack dead before it even started. Essentially rough for him. But it just it it was it was painful to see. If you're thinking of the same moment I am, that was at the tail end of the first half. That to me was like the result of Ryan. That was like your point and Ryan's point perfectly brought together because we were hoofing it so much and Gordon had to run yeah. so hard. He had nothing left in the tank at the end of the first half to actually supply us with that burst of pace forward, which we did see earlier in the half. He did successfully a few times, but because right. he had to run so much, he was he was gas. So so I like that call out, Alex. I know. Not the not the start that Anthony Gordon would have dreamt up, but he's put in a tough spot, and I think that's worth bearing in mind. For my bad, unfortunately, it's another player on the front line, and it's going to be Damari Gray, who started the season so brightly for us last year. thought he was a little lackadaisical today. I mean, passing percentage, 52%. I don't read too much into that. Wasn't super accurate with it. He did have a key pass, but he also took half of our corners. We only had four, but he took two of them. My thing is the five dispossessions. Um, I think he lingered on the ball way too long. Um, he, he needs to either get rid of the ball or try to beat a man. And I think he just kind of got stuck in possession far too often. He did have one. He was one for one in dribbles for whatever that means. But for a player with the speed and ex- I think acceleration of him, maybe not against Chelsea because they do have some good athletes in their back line. I'd like to see him try to take on more players or just give up the ball and make a run in behind. But he sat on it too long and similarly looked very tired in the later stages and probably could have used a sub. Um, rather than bringing off Dwight McNeil, who I thought was decent. And he also had, as Ryan noted in our doc here, uh, he had that one pass with AG breaking forward that would have been such a glorious counterattack goal that Tiago Silva got a foot on because I think it was slightly 
too close to the defender. I think he had a window to slip that pass into, and he just missed it. And that was one of our golden opportunities, so to speak, though we didn't have many. What do you guys think going forward then? I mean, we've got a match against Villa. It's at their place. Um, I don't think we're going to be quite as negative as we were today. Um, You're going to have midfielders in there. You'll have a little more choice. You could play Rondon up top. What do you do on the wings? And, And really, can Gordon and Gray play together? And do you want them to? Well, that's what um, I forget who it was earlier today. It was Hugh in our in our instant match reactions who said that Gray and Gordon can't play together, and I, I'm inclined to kind of agree with that because I think they're both best off the left. I think one of them with McNeil and then Rondon temporarily as the focal point. As much as I don't want to see us hoof it as frequently as we did today, if we're going to do that to some extent, then you're way better off having Rondon there to at least provide a flick on or winning aerials and bullying people with his physicality. So I think that's that's the way we kind of have to go. Um, personally, I'd like to see Gray be given a run in the team and bring Gordon off the bench. But as far as I'm concerned, they're they're relatively interchangeable. Where you don't, um, I don't think one is dramatically better than the other, at least based on current form. What are your thoughts, Alex? No, I got to agree with you. I I think uh, I think Rondon was 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 missed today. Uh, I think that it would make sense to start him up top in the next match, and also. Um, you know, even even just based on interchange, you know, you mentioned being interchangeable, even just the sole fact that Damari Gray has a lot more experience than Gordon does, I think is worth something. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, I got to agree. I, you know, I we even talked about it. I, I didn't think that maybe Gordon, Gordon would necessarily warrant a start. Um, that was before injuries and, and whatnot. But I still, you know, maybe could stand by that and in and, and what Ryan said with Iwobi maybe further forward sometimes. Would you have made a different sub than McNeil off? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It would have been it would have been Gordon or Gray. Set pieces too, I think that's a massive one. That's that's a big reason why to have McNeil out there a little bit more often too. James, would you make a different sub? I would. I would have taken I, I probably would have brought I mean he may have had his reasons too. I, I don't want you know there's obviously you don't know you only know so much. Yeah, you fall. only can take it at face value, right? We don't know the backroom conversations and who's fit and who's not. I think if Alon is fit enough to be on the bench, then I think he's fit enough to move into that midfield slot, take Gordon or Gray off and move a will be up into the the left wing area where you can be dynamic. I mean, I think that actually is a good segue to get into the good side of things and the players we thought were good here, uh, because I know the person I just mentioned is going to come up. So Ryan, who is your good player on the day or good theme or good thing? Well, it might not be who you think, um, but I'm going to pick Decore. And let me tell you why, because people are out there for some reason picking on him, saying he's wasteful or, or bad or doesn't take care of the ball. You know what it sounds a lot like to me? It sounds like the guy that hopefully will be in our midfield soon. And that's a, a Drissagana guy where I heard all the stuff about, oh, he gives the ball away. He doesn't pass it forward. He, he gives the ball away. That's That's my favorite one. No, he really doesn't, actually. So let me tell you how many times DeCorey gave the ball away today. All right, number one, highest pass completion rate on the whole team at 88.9. How many times did he turn it over today, guys? I could be wrong, but what our numbers say is that how many bad touches did he have? Uh, That would be zero. How many miscontrols did he have? Oh, that's zero. So he didn't give it away once. So what are we talking about? He had a couple missed passes, fewer than everyone else on the team, and he had 45 touches, which is in the top half of the team. So I don't understand that at all. So on top of that, he had two shots, one on target. He had five tackles that led the team. So what are we talking about? Like, who are these? What game are you watching? I'm sorry. That's, it's utterly ridiculous to me 
And the fact that you could even play Awobi there was because of Decore, his effort, his initiative. Now he had the penalty. Fair. That's fair. I wouldn't say that's necessarily any more his fault than it was a collective defensive fault. I thought we got a little bit wide open and maybe Mina was a little slow getting over. Maybe Holgate shouldn't have taken the guy out wide. Maybe, you know what I mean? I think that's more of a team team effort, but I'm sorry. I, I just don't understand. He also had a great run where Gordon oh, came so close to playing him in. I thought he had a good shot off the pass that Awobi made. I mean, he had two guys coming out at him. So yeah, no, uh, he was an outstanding player for us. This game would have been a lot worse had he not been there. And I, I just don't understand the negative Nellies and Nancy's on Twitter and other social media outfits against him. I mean, I, my God, what do you expect? It's just ridiculous. Like, that's the guy you're going to pick on. I, I agree. Decore was a monster today. He really did um, show him be- his best self in, in the midfield. And that is uh, also another good a good way for me to segue into who I thought or who I wanted to give a shout out for a good performance. And that was uh, Alex Awobi in central midfield as well, right? As you mentioned, um, both of them, I thought, did a really good job of of kind of controlling the or keeping the ball. Right. Um, Awobi had two key passes, too. So he was um, he was uh, helping out on offense, 81 percent pass accuracy four completed long balls. But he didn't give away possession at all. Zero dispossessions, zero bad touches. Exactly what you need in your central midfield, put in a really good defensive shift. I thought, you know, we talked about it. He was running all day long with a couple inter- interferences and, and three clearances. Um, I got to say, he's uh, he's somewhat, I think he's convincing some people around Everton fandom that that would say he could uh, maybe have a, a, an extended run in central midfield. But again, we've talked about it. We've got two uh, very impressive guys coming in too. Hopefully, maybe we can see him a little bit further forward, uh, more consistency. Yeah, loved loved the performance from Alex today, continuing to uh, redefine his Everton legacy in a very positive fashion, which is great. I mean, his ability, so many times he just received the ball, moved it really quickly and found the open man cutting through lines, whether it be spraying it wide, whether it be lobbing it over the top, just you kind of saw a little bit of everything from Alex today. And again, to see such a strong performance in a position where he's not typically, you know, you don't expect him to be seen at that central midfield, deeper lying uh, position. Love to see that, and hopefully we can get him at long last more consistent minutes in a position where he's actually best utilized. Now there are still people that aren't putting him in the starting lineup, by the way. Oh yeah, like a lot of people out there. I mean, the guy is virtually undroppable at this point. Can you imagine if he wasn't out there on the ball? I mean, where would it ever go? I mean, the last six months have completely changed. I think in general, there's still the doubters, and there's always going to be. I mean, like you said, there's people hating on Decore, who's been pretty much a rock for us for since he since his arrival bar a handful of games he's been so consistent so there's always going to be the awobi haters but i think he's done a, a good job of uh turning the tides on the general sentiment amongst the fan base um for my good performance of the day uh i don't think this player was exceptional by any stretch but my my choice is nathan patterson because it was his first premier league appearance going against a strong chelsea side matched up um difficult you know, opposition to go against. And I thought he looked, Alex said it when we were off air, I think he looked very comfortable and I can't remember exactly the phrase you used, but he didn't look out of place one bit. I think he he showed explosive pace moving forward, 87% pass completion. I don't know if this is right, but who scored has him at 23 of 39 passes moving forward, which again, he's playing at a wing back. So some of that's to be expected, but still a positive uh, stat line from him. I thought he used his body and size and physicality extremely well in certain moments. Three for six in tackles, only played a couple long balls. And then what I really liked in the one moment that I loved 
which just got noted when he got so mad at I think it was either a Chillwell or a Sterling. It's Chillwell. Yeah. Chillwell. Chillwell he was when so he mad. Back and Chillwell like swando and Patterson lost it at the ref. And that was uh, beautiful to see. So a strong debut from Nathan Patterson, all things considered. I know there have been some questions about him, um, but that was my positive of the day. Alex, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I I, I like the shout out for him. I thought, you know, the what the other thing that I noticed from him was just the fact that he looked pretty composed on the ball. When he was pressured, I thought that he did a really good job, generally speaking, in getting the ball out um, from his feet, uh, completing the pass. I liked, you know, I thought his positioning looked a little better than it did maybe in preseason at times. He had a, a decent understanding of where he needed to be. Um, fitness levels definitely can uh, can continue to improve, but that's for every player. So overall, it's really important for us to have someone that seems like they can kind of plug in and do a job there. So maybe he will... Uh, continue to prove us wrong throughout the season and he can really grow into the role uh, for Everton. And Seamus coming back can provide some depth too. I mean, you know, yeah. there's, it, it's, it, there doesn't have to be that much pressure on him later, but there is now. And yeah, he was sound, you know, and he grew into the game a little bit, I thought. All right. Well, with those good and bad performances out of the way, let's move into just a general summary of the day. I think we can kick things off. You know, I was commenting shortly before we began recording at just the hilarious disparity or Two, two faces of the Everton fan base following the opening day loss. You had some people saying they were really encouraged by the positives, and you had other people saying this is exactly the same stuff we've seen last year. We need to ax everyone. Everyone needs to go. Um, I think Nick's perspective, Nick Weinstein, 27, Weinstein, excuse me, uh, friend of the show, I think I am more in his camp than I am with the naysayers, and he said, we will be fine this year, nine on loan, Ghana, Onana make a big difference. I'm worried about Godfrey and Mina, meaning we might need another center back, but think we will comfortably be 11th to 15th, which is, I mean, got to love the optimism there, like really shooting for the stars. We might get bottom half, but out of the relegation zone. Love to see it. Yeah, and I, mine is, I, I've chosen Stockhausen from, from the Discord, so I'm cheating. I'm not even taking off Twitter today. Um but, you know, his comment was, I think, in terms of summary, Decore, Tarkowski, Gordon and Delhi all got in positions that could have been a goal on another day. I don't feel too bad about the chances we created, but I also am more sure than ever that we're cursed. So, first of all, we're not cursed. Uh, second of all, be. we might be um, cursed. No, 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 I don't think we are. I know it feels that way, but I just don't believe in that sort of garbage. Stop shaking your head. Yes, Alex. Um, anyway, I'll break my neck to prove a point. I don't care. Do we have to do that? We need to exercise like Ted Lasso. Like we all need to burn stuff in like that matters to us in effigy to try and kill the kill the curse. Anyway, um, people are I'll like, try what anything. are you talking? I'll yeah, try anything um, at this point. But look, stocks right. We had chances. I mean, maybe it didn't show up in the immortal XG uh, numbers. But look, I mean, Gray had one where he just missed Gordon for for a breakaway. I mean, j- I mean, literally clipped a heel of the defender. Yes, I wish he would have put it up in the area. Would have played Gordon in. He would have been absolute breakaway. Um, Gray also had that great chance where Tiago Silva deflected it just wide. It was a good shot too. I mean, if that's just a couple inches lower, it gets through his legs and goes in, uh, Tark with a good header in the 23rd. I mean, off that set piece, that lovely little, you know, he could tell he didn't have a shot and he played it over to Dukes. And I mean, that could have been a handball. I mean, if Holgate was a little more alert, maybe he knocks it in. So I don't think it was completely devoid of chances. And this is when Chelsea was packing it in a little bit. So I, I thought that that was somewhat encouraging and i think that the game changes a lot you know when we when we have the ads but we'll we'll get to that in kind of one second but that's my take so i think stock hits it 
nails it pretty well. We had chances that we maybe have forgotten about a little bit and, and they didn't have a ton of great ones either. So maybe the game was a little more even than we would think it is. And we're nowhere. I mean, this team is not going to look the same next week. Well, for better, for worse now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my, my overarching thought for the match itself is simply that, you know, I, I take positive signs away for how we were able to move the ball on the ground when we chose to do so. Um, I thought we saw some good performances from players really specifically in the central midfield that, you know, gives Frank food for thought, maybe more flexibility than he thought he had. And obviously, you know, well, well, we've got Onana and, and Adrisa Ghanagay coming in at midfield as well. So maybe that allows us to use Wobi uh, maybe f- further forward. And, and that helps too. Yeah, as Ryan said earlier in the episode, and as Alex just alluded to, we had this tweet from uh, The Bobble himself. Amadou Onana, who was in attendance for Everton's 1-0 home defeat to Chelsea, is now officially an Everton player. Medical completed with a midfielder signing a long-term contract at Goodison Park. Very exciting stuff. Don't think we have time to get into what he's going to bring to this Everton side in this episode, but I think we can probably cook something up uh, over the next few days to once he's officially introduced. Um, and then lastly, we had the comments from Frank Lampard on the injuries, which were uh, that Ben Godfrey's injury feels like it is a small fracture of his leg. That's crazy optimistic from the video that I saw, but okay. We are assessing that. He will be out for a while. Mina is an ankle injury and could be out for a while. When it rains, it pours. That was Frank Lampard on the defensive injuries during the match. When it rains, it pours. Indeed, gentlemen. Yeah, it's just killer. I mean, Mina to me is such a difference maker on this team. I think he's the biggest difference maker on this team when he plays we're a different team. I mean, just look at the numbers last year, even just basic plus minus boring stuff. I know it's not a perfect stat. I get it. But he was our only plus player in both XG and regular last year. And, and the year before he was our number one guy, too. And this and the year before was when Godfrey was like negative nine and Holgate was like negative seven. So he's a complete difference maker and he he moves the ball well for us as well. Um, Onana coming in. I, I, yes, I've watched him a ton. We can talk about that at some point soon. Um, Ghana too. I mean, Ghana coming in, I think makes a big difference. Now that frees up a Wobi to be part of that attacking mix. I think even Rondon coming back, I think helps because now D- daily can kind of be used in some different places. Um, my guess is we'll probably move for another attacking player too. Maybe someone who's a little bit versatile. Townsend looks like he's still going to be out for a while. That'll give us some flexibility, but I, I don't know what we do here in center back. I mean, I feel like we almost have to bring someone in now. Uh, it just, I know we are linked to Connor Cody. I'm curious what you guys think about him because he's always been kind of like this center of a back three quarterbacking type. And although he moves the ball pretty well, I, I don't think he moves the ball as well. Some people talk about him like he's, you know, Beckenbauer back there. But, but I just... I have a, I have an issue there because I don't think he can play in a back two. I mean, Bruno Leish is literally sending him out because he doesn't think he can play in a back two. And I, I think so. The example today that I'll give Mina stepped up to draw Sterling offside. I thought it was an excellent play because I mean, it was too far away from him. He knew he couldn't do anything about it. He knew it was the last line. And so he moved up and, and drew him off. That's a very subtle thing. But I've seen Cody and other players that are like him that stay back farther. You know what I mean? That are afraid to kind of make that move. And I just don't know how well that would work. He wouldn't be my choice. I'm curious your guys' thoughts. No, I feel kind of the same way. That That's my biggest concern is, you know, he, I don't think that he could play in a back two and he's extremely slow. So, you know, how does that offer us flexibility moving forward? He's not the youngest guy either. 
Um, you know, it I, forces I Tark like, outside, right? I mean, it, because like yeah, I, I think Tark, I mean, to. Tark to me is an okay replacement for Mina for sure, and he's very vocal and a good quarterback. Cody is that too; he's very vocal. But are we better off with Tark moving middle and then finding someone a little more athletic and versatile outside, or you know what yeah, I mean, Alex? That, I mean, yeah, because that's what we're losing with Godfrey, right? I mean, the only other player that we have, the only other center back that we have in that mold is Holgate, and we saw what, what we got from him. I mean, he was good defensively. Sometimes he's not really. He has a lot of mental lapses. You know what I mean? And, and it's just so annoying with 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 his incessant decision to go long, too. Um, and we have Keen. Know, for me, yeah. And, and just the age profile. I mean, there are uh, essentially, in my in my opinion, there are a lot of too many negatives for Connor Cody for him to come in and 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 me feel confident in our ability, um, you know, to kind of line up the way that would be effective, whether that's a back four or a back three. I'll keep it simple in my analysis. I agree with lar- most of what you guys said. You know, he's a little redundant with our current options. I don't know what else he brings. He is a good leader, but the two most important things I have to add are Copite, Swerve. No, thank you. I'm going to pass on Connor Cody. Thank you very much. Any final words? Yeah. (laughs) Any final words on the match, gentlemen, before we wrap this one up? We must do the rain dance to the injury gods. That's all (laughs) I have to say. Enough, right, Alex? It's not sustainable. We must try harder. It's just ridiculous. Um, And that's probably the biggest concern but i will say this we created chances i i I just think the new guys coming in are going to make a difference i don't think we're done wheeling and dealing um there's still time to to make this team decent and i was encouraged by a lot of of what i saw today um but part of me in the back of my head's thinking well chelsea is just bad or was bad today too so I, i it's hard to say that when you see all the talent they have on the pitch and I'll tell you what, if if Mina didn't get hurt today, I'd feel fine. I, I just think he's such a difference maker. But we'll see what's happening. We'll see how it is. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, before we wrap, I wanted to end on, we had Chris Smith at CJ Smith 91 with this tweet that I uh, think sums up my experience today nicely. He said, I don't know. It's just nice watching a half of football knowing our Premier League lives don't depend on it. And uh, I, I agree with that. Even though we conceded and it was a horrible sequence of events basically throughout the almost 110 minutes total, it was nice to have the knowledge that we still have 37 more to go and plenty of time to still improve and turn our fortunes for the better. And with that, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, just a reminder, leave us a rating and review on your po- podcast platform of choice you want to follow us on social media it's at usa toffee pod on facebook twitter and instagram or you can go to linktr.ee slash usa toffee pod link in the description and also join our discord invite.gg slash atp and with that until next time up the toffees